Hello and welcome to this uh, Remtech Talent Management podcast on motivation. And I'm delighted that my guest today is an expert in that field. Indeed, uh, uh, his name's Jeff Hayden, and many of you will know he's the best-selling author of The Motivation Myth. He's also a keynote speaker and contributing editor to Inc. magazine. Um, and he also has a mind-blowing million-plus followers on LinkedIn, which is quite a lot more than mine. Uh, but um, uh, welcome, Jeff. Great to great to see you again, and uh, really nice to. But thank you for 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 contributing to this to this podcast series. Um, so I, I guess the thing really to kick off on is on the motivation side, uh, Jeff. The title, such a great title, The Motivation Myth, because I mean, masses of books written about motivation, hasn't there? So um, tell us what I mean. Maybe first of all, can we kick off with what are the myths about motivation? What what what, what can people decide to discard and, and 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 move on from? Well, first of all, I'm I'm happy to be back. I rarely do people's podcasts twice, but I'm happy to do yours twice uh, because I enjoyed the first one. Um, so, as for motivation, the the central myth that I that really sparked the book was, and I'm this will take me a second, but I promise I'll try to be short. Um, I would talk to, I've, I'm lucky enough in my job that I get to talk to a lot of really successful people in a broad variety of fields. And so it's interesting, you know, I, I try to look at what motivated them, what sparked their interest in whatever their pursuit was. So I would contrast that with all the people that would write me and say, I really do some, want to do something wonderful, whatever that may be for those people, but I don't know where to start. And I can't really seem to develop the oomph to get going. And what was interesting about that is that all of those people were looking for this lightning bolt to hit them that was going to suddenly make them passionate and inspired and motivated and give them all of that drive that they needed to work hard to achieve something that they wanted to achieve. Contrast that with the really successful people that I talked to and to a person, none of them had that moment. They just found something they were interested in, thought, hmm, let me try that. The process of trying it and trying to get better at it, which is really important, caused them to get more interested in it. They would have little successes. Those were fun. That made them motivated to keep going. And so they created, without really thinking about it, this virtuous cycle of effort, achievement, fulfillment. Wow, that feels good. That, that is just enough motivation to get me up tomorrow and cause me to keep working my process to try to get better. And so the central myth was that people wait for motivation or they wait for someone to motivate them. And actually you create it by your actions. So motivation doesn't come first and effort second. It's effort first and that will generate the motivation that you need. As long as you have a pretty clear idea of where you wanna go and you have a pretty good process in place that will allow you to actually enjoy those successes that let you f create your own virtuous cycle. And do you see any difference? I mean, I, I mean, it's fascinating when I read your book because, as you know, I'm interested in music and, and uh, you've interviewed some amazing yeah. people in the, yeah. particularly in the guitar world, like Kirk Hammett and, and, and uh, Joe Satriani, um, both of whom are uh, amazing guys. Um, and then, of course, also you had sports people like Serena Williams. And 
Are those do they have a do they have a similar approach? Because I mean, you always kind of think of the big rock stars. I mean, Satriani's probably an exception because, but, but you know, most of the big rock stars, you kind of see they they don't seem to to or don't appear anyway to have that kind of um, set mindset that an athlete like Serena Williams has. I mean, is there any difference, or 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 are they you know kind of in a way they give us this impression of being terribly cool and not caring, but in actual fact they care just as much as Serena does. Uh, yeah, the well, take Kirk. The Metallica guitarist, for instance, his motivation was he wanted to be able to play music with his friends now. And so that's why he tried to get better, because he wanted to be good enough that his friends would include him in a band. And so he was in several bands when he was younger. Luckily for him, he managed to have friends that are the rest of Metallica, which is kind of cool. But then his motivation was to be able to keep up and be a key member of that group. And so and he he told me that the reason that he still enjoys what he does 40 years on and still thinks it's really fun is because he never set out to become a rock star because once you get there, then what do you do with that? He always set out to be the guy who could play music with his friends and all the good stuff kind of came with that. Um, and Satriani's a little bit different because I think his motivation is technical mastery and whatever that you know, that definition means to him and creating music that he likes and owning the rights to his own publishing and kind of controlling his own destiny. So that was really important to him. And music is a part of that. So uh, I know that was a really long answer, but to, to answer your question, they had a pretty good idea of what success looked like to them. And then they crafted their career around achieving that definition and happened to be wildly successful in other ways along the way. And does that differ then from Serena, or uh, it, or, or is it fundamentally the same, the same driver, the same motivation? I think it's the same, and and I'm more familiar actually with Venus than I am Serena. Um, but like like no no that's all right. I've talked to Serena too. Um, the interesting thing about Venus is that like she never she wanted to be the best tennis player in the world. Don't get me wrong, but she even when she was young never saw herself as quote unquote, just a tennis player. And in fact, they were encouraged to never see themselves that way. They had to be other things as well. So now she owns a clothing company. She owns an interior design firm. She's heavily involved in all that stuff. She's got multiple master's degrees. So she's trying to excel at tennis, obviously, but she also wanted to excel in other areas of her life. And they were all things that she was interested in, like design. That's something she's interested in. So she explored it found some mastery, enjoyed that, and crafted a career out of it. So I, I really do think it is the same for everybody. They didn't wake up one morning and say, oh my gosh, I want to become, you know, pick whatever it may be, the best actor in the world. They want to be good at their craft, but really they woke up and said, I think I want to try that acting thing because this seems really fun. And the process of developing it is what got them to where they were. Hmm. When you and I spoke before, we were talking about, you know, what success looks like, because obviously we've been just talking about the kind of uber successful there, people who are genuine rock stars and sports stars. Now, for the vast majority of people, it's about motivating themselves to be the best they can be, perhaps. Um, so definition i mean what, what can you have to say on that because I, I think this is an important thing that you've touched on in your books and conversation with me before yeah that's a that's a really key point because 
if you don't have an idea of what success looks like to you, then you'll never create a process or a routine or even a life that allows you to get to that place. And I, I'm a wonderful example of that. I graduated college. I worked in manufacturing. I worked my, my way through college working in a manufacturing plant. I liked it. And so I went to another larger company, started at the very bottom. But my goal was to become a plant manager, which was a ways up from where I started because I was an entry level, you know, I was a shop floor entry level guy. Um, 17 years later, I achieved that. That had always been my goal. I thought that was going to be a be all end all of my existence was going to be to do that. And about three years later, I thought, ooh, I don't want to do this for another 20 years because it wasn't what I thought it would be. It wasn't fulfilling in the way I thought it would be. It didn't make me something special in my own mind, which I thought it was going to. Um, and so then I shifted to doing something else. So for a lot of people, what you think you want may not turn out to be what you want when you are actually there. I have a friend that runs a construction company. What he likes more than anything else is actually being on a job site working. But we're taught, you know, especially as entrepreneurs, you're taught that you're supposed to be working on your business, not in your business. Well, he enjoys working in the business. And so there was a point where his company got big enough that all he was doing was dealing with supply stuff, going out and quoting jobs, talking to customers, and he never swung a hammer, never was on the sites. And he made the conscious decision to shrink his business some so that at least a couple of days a week, he can spend a few hours out doing what he actually likes to do. So he figured out what success was, and he's a lot more fulfilled and happy, even though to externalize, he doesn't look as successful because instead of having 150 employees, he has about 30. So that looks like he's not successful, but to him, he's wildly successful because he's built the life that he wants to lead. So the same thing is true in, in corporations. Some people want to be the plant manager. Some people want to be the CEO. That's what they're looking for. Other people want to reach a certain level where the, the nature of the work matches what they enjoy doing and like to do and makes them feel good about themselves. And that's a perfect definition of success. So... The key is to look around and say, okay, not what do other people think will make me happy or make me seem successful, but what do I actually like to do and what makes me feel good at the end of the day? And then you use that as your definition, and then that informs the processes that you create to get you to where you want to be. Mm. So tell us a bit more about, because that, that's one of the key parts of your book, isn't it, really, looking at that process to get you to where you want to be can you give us a little bit more on that some kind of top tips on on getting yourself started I remember was one of the things that you talked about yeah yeah the, the hardest thing with anything if you've got a huge journey that you think you want to take the the biggest obstacle is really the mental side of the distance between here and there so you're starting here which is ground zero and you are trying to get to there which is almost out of sight and thinking of bridging that gap, especially when you first get started and realize that you know a tenth of a percent of what you need to know to be able to do that, it can be very defeating. And so the key is to, and in my mind, whenever I try to do something new that, that I really want to do well at, I find people, you know, and it would be someone like you if it's a career counseling kind of a thing, I find people that have done what I want to do. And it, they've actually done it. They know how to do it. And then I just say, if you were me, what would you do? 
So this is the, this is your Find the Pro thing that I, yes, I was watching yeah, one exactly. your TED talk. Okay. Yep, so, yep, so yep. Actually, I had a question on this, uh, Jeff. Sorry if okay. I interrupted you there, but because I thought this is this is a it, it's it's obviously a very good, um, really good question um, or a good tip. So, in terms of finding this pro, so imagine let's go back to somebody who is more ambitious, shall we say, and they want to they want to be you know become venus williams or joe satriani or whatever now getting hold of one of those pros is going to be pretty tough isn't it because <laughs> they're probably getting people asking them all the time a bit like you get people yeah. asked to do podcasts all the time um do, you know do how do you you know how do you go about that finding that pro that's going to meet the ambition that you need well the first thing you have to do is recognize where you are on the ladder of success that you are trying to climb so if I want to be the greatest entrepreneur in the world, I'm probably not going to be able to ask, pick a person, Mark Cuban or Elon Musk, or I'm probably not going to get to those people, although I have talked to, to Mark, um, but not about that subject. So I'm probably not going to get there, but I can look around and say, okay, in the industry I'm in or in a similar industry, who around me that I can reach, and you'd be surprised how many of those people there actually are, could I talk to? to at least, at least get me started and get me to some level of achievement. So if it's, you know, if we're going to use Serena as an example, no, you're not going to call Serena, but there are, you know, there are tennis pros at clubs. There's the guy down the street that always wins the local tournament stuff or whatever it may be. There are people around you. One of my favorite quotes is, that, I forget who told me this, but he said, someone you know knows someone you know or need to know. I'm sorry. Someone you know knows someone you need to know. There are people out there. And so... You try to match kind of your level with who they are. If you want to run a marathon, you don't have to go out and find the Olympic champion. You can find someone who has run two or three marathons. That's the level you are at at that moment. And so you talk to them. They'll get you enough information. And if you follow it, they'll get you to where you can run one or two marathons. The cool thing about that then is now you're part of that quote unquote club. You're, you're a marathon runner. And so you, in the eyes of the world around you, have raised up some. That allows you then to reach a little higher if, I don't know what the next level would be, but if you want to start doing triathlons or whatever it might be, that allows you then to access to people that are a little farther up the chain. And as you continue to grow in skill and expertise and connections and you make friends and all of that other stuff, then you can ratchet your way up. You may never get to the Cuban or Serena or Branson or Musk level, but you'll get to the level that you want to be at with whatever your definition of success was. So the big mistake I always see is that people think, okay, if I need a mentor, I need the best mentor in the world. And you're not going to get there. And so you never end up with a mentor because you shoot too high. And what you really need to do is just say, what do I need right now? And what you need right now, there are a lot of those people out there who, if you ask nicely, are going to be willing to help you. And then they will continue to be willing to help you if when they give you advice, you don't argue, you don't push back, you don't say, well, oh, yeah, well, that sounds good, but I really want to do it this way. Well, if that's your approach, why are you asking for help in the first place? They know what they're talking about. So then if you try it and you give it an honest, sincere effort, and then you go back and say, yep, I did everything you said. I've worked really hard. Here's where I've gotten to. They're going to enjoy the fact that they helped you succeed. 
and they will be happy to help you some more because it feels good to help people. We all like to think that we have made a difference in someone's life. The big mistake I see with people asking for advice is they'll ask and then they'll argue or they'll push back or they'll say, oh yeah, well that worked for you, but it's not going to work for me. Well, don't ask. If that's who you are, don't ask. Do your own thing. It's probably not going to work, but go do your own thing. Um, but I, anytime someone asks for advice and then the person follows through, then the person that gave the advice feels good because they think they made a difference in your life, and they did. And so that's, I know that's another long answer, but that's how you bridge that gap between I want Serena versus who can I really talk to. And there's a lot of valuable information out there at lower levels you know you don't have to talk to serena to get what you need and quite frankly if you did talk to serena and you're a beginning tennis player you're not going to understand anything she says anyway it's not going to do you any good because you can't do what she does yeah so would you say in a sense that in terms of your find a pro tip then you, you if you really wanted to get right up to the top there's almost a ladder of finding pros which um yes. will help you um, yeah. up that ladder yeah and there is a, there's a qualifier to my find a pro thing because in the book I wrote about it and I said, you know, coaches are fine, but what you really want is the person who has actually done that thing. And I've, I've shifted off of that a little bit because I've been in some situations where there were people who their profession is to help and mentor and guide and counsel and all of those other things. And they, it turns out they're really, really good at what they do. So if you're going to find a pro, you can either find someone who has done what you did or find someone who has a proven record of helping other people do what it is that you also want to do. Because if they can help 20 other people, then they can help you if you allow them to do so. Yeah, yeah. And that's the principle of coaching, isn't it? That you... You you don't have to be a better tennis player than Serena Williams to be her coach. No. You, no. you have to, you have to make me better. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 exactly, yep. exactly. Yep. So um, you also, I kind of interrupted you when we were talking about the kind of getting started thing. You you talked in, in I think in the book and, and certainly in one of the uh, talks you did that I watched um, about the two week rule, and I love that. So okay, maybe you can maybe you can let the listener or viewer uh, talk them through the two week rule. Um, yeah, that's that's an easy one. Like we'll use we'll use you're starting from zero and you want to run a marathon. So you go out and your training program is that the first day you're going to run a mile. You run that mile, you come home, you feel terrible, your knees hurt, it was awful. The distance between here and there, being able to do that mile and being able to do 26 plus seems insurmountable and it just seems too hard and you give it one more day and you think, wow, this is really hard and I'm not getting anywhere and I feel worse today than I did yesterday and I think I will quit. And that happens to people all the time because those first few days whenever you're trying something new, they're awful. Even if it's just a physical skill, like if you want to learn to shuffle cards better, you're going to be terrible for a little while. And it feels horrible to be terrible. And, you know, when you reach a certain age, which is probably about 10, you don't like to do things that you're not good at. You know, we like to do what we're good at and we don't like to do what we're not very good at. And so my two-week rule is if you think you want to do something and you want, that's a goal that you want to achieve, Create a process, find a pro, do whatever. Get your process in place that's going to allow you to, to start to get there and then give it two weeks. Give it an honest two weeks, even if that third day is awful and the fifth day is awful and the sixth day is awful and you don't feel like you're making any process progress, give it two weeks because I guarantee by the end of that time, 
you will have improved. You'll either have gotten in a little better shape or your proficiency will have gone up or your whatever it is. Whatever you're trying to do, you will have improved in two weeks. And then you can make a clear objective decision about, do I really want to pursue this? Did this turn out to be something that I will enjoy? Did this turn out to be something that I really do want to get better at or that I do want to achieve? It's really easy to quit after that second or third day and to convince yourself you don't want to do it just because it's so hard and it feels so terrible and it's kind of defeating. If you give it two weeks, then you can make that objective decision about, do I want to do this? And invariably, you will decide you want to continue because you will have improved and we all like to get better at things. It's fun. And you will be a little better and that's fun because, again, we like to do what we are good at. So give yourself enough time to get good at it so you can make a good decision. Mm, no, it's great. No, very good. So kind of wrapping up really, uh, Jeff, first of all, many thanks for your words of wisdom. And uh, um, for anyone that hasn't come across Jeff's book before, the, the Motivation Myth, there's a lot more information in the book and also on a number of uh, Jeff's talks that you can, you know, really benefit from. Um, obviously, a lot of the people that will be listening or watching who are my contacts, um, then they're very much focused on career or leadership. And uh, the motivation thing uh, is, a, is, a, is a huge of huge importance. So um, just, just to kind of wrap up really, Jeff, are there any other top key tips you can give people um, about you know, personal motivation, which will really um, kind of enhance or, or, or just further expansion on any of the other things we've been discussing? Probably the best one is, or the one that immediately sprang to mind, we were talking about famous, successful people. And I have been lucky enough to talk to a lot of them. And what's interesting is that I always come away from those conversations thinking two things. One, wow, this person is incredibly accomplished at something and they're very thoughtful and they got there for a reason. But also, too, otherwise they're just like us. They just worked really, really hard to be really, really good at a particular thing. But they're not way smarter, way more talented just generally. They don't have this special something that they got at birth and that the, not, the rest of us don't get, aside from some genetic things with athletics. But they don't have this special something we don't have. They just worked really, really hard to get somewhere. And so that's a very empowering thought because you don't have to feel like, wow, I can never do what I want to do because I don't have all these special qualities that the successful people have. They're the same as us. They just worked really, really hard. They figured out what success meant to them. They created processes and routines to go get there. They didn't give up after three days. And they created their own virtuous cycle of improvement and motivation and fulfillment that comes from that. And so I think that's the, the coolest thing about talking to people like that is that you do walk away thinking, yeah, I may not be able to do what they do, but I can do what it is I want to do if I work really, really hard to get there. And I, I think that's a really empowering thought. No, that's fantastic. And, that, and that's a great... Uh... Great place to wrap up, I think, uh, Jeff. Thank you so much. And uh, as I say, for those people that uh, haven't already got Jeff's book or one of his books, um, you can find him on Amazon. And uh, of course, on LinkedIn, where, as I say, he has a huge following and uh, writes a number of really inspirational 
articles and uh, comment um, on often on the Inc platform, Inc magazine platform, uh, and and uh, LinkedIn generally. So thank you again, Jeff. Hope everyone who's listening or watching has enjoyed this podcast in this series of uh, Remtech Talent Management. Uh, if you need to contact me, then uh, my LinkedIn profile will appear uh, shortly. And uh, please feel free to contact me on this subject. And uh, I look forward to having further podcasts. And I hope you'll look forward to seeing Jeff on his numerous um, media in the future. Thank you very much. Thank you for watching or listening to this Remtech Talent Management podcast. Our guest was international best-selling author Jeff Hayden in conversation with myself, Nigel Job. You'll find both of us on LinkedIn. Jeff's books, including The Motivation Myth, which we discussed, can be found at Amazon and other good booksellers. His articles can be found at inc.com and on his LinkedIn page. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and please check out others in the series. Have a great day.